Third and four for the Eagles here. Murphy in shotgun. Here's the snap. He rolls left. He throws. WZBC Sports Podcast, episode 10, joined by two fellow juniors, T.J. Hartnett, Quinn Kelly, my name is Steve Mackley. We are breaking down 2017 Boston College football schedule, just released today, and it is, uh, guys, it looks pretty good. I mean, I, I, we, we knew the opponents beforehand. We, I mean, in college football, the opponents are announced pretty far ahead of time, especially not conference opponents, and we knew the dates of those games, but when you see it laid out from start to finish, this is a really strong schedule. Uh, and, you know, Notre Dame probably being that one marquee non-conference opponent, but Northern Illinois and uh, Central Michigan are very respectable programs, and UConn is a regional matchup that uh, could prove to be a very good game in itself as well. So it, it's, it looks like a really good schedule. So we're going to break it down for you, uh, kind of get to our thoughts on it, some important games. We'll talk about the, the hard games on the schedule, which there are definitely some, being in the ACC Atlantic Division. And maybe go over uh, our projected records, what we think the the, uh, the squad might look like at the end of these twelve games. Talk about some other storylines on the team. So, guys, first, initial thoughts on the schedule. Uh, like I said, it's not easy, but what do you think now that we've seen these twelve games from start to finish in order? Sure, and thanks for having me, Steve. Um, initially, looking at the schedule, it's it's something different than the last two years that that uh, we've come into contact with, and I, I just think you know. You, you look at this and you, you don't see an easy game on the schedule, you know, relatively to what we've seen the past two years. You don't see that Howard. You don't see the main. Um, you don't see that that gimme game against a Wagner team. Um, you know, there are lesser teams in northern Illinois, central Michigan and Yukon coming from non power five conferences. But, you know, Granted, given the day, who knows what's going to happen, given that Northern Illinois is on the road. Um, UConn is technically on the road, even though it's in our backyard. Uh, it's something that could catch us off guard. And uh, other than that, knowing the teams that you're going to face in the ACC, um, seeing them lined up, I, I truly think this was uh, – we, we lucked out with the way that we get it. Getting Wake that second game to be our home opener is, is very clutch. There were a lot of teams that could have slid in there, like a Virginia Tech or an NC State that could have caught you off guard uh, to start the season. You want the team like Wake Forest, team that's um, usually at an equal level to us or just a little bit less um, per season. So you get that, and then you get the Notre Dame-Clemson back-to-back. Um, a lot of good games on this schedule, and even the Coastal team that we got to face in Virginia, um, that's, that's a team that's struggled this past year with Bronco Mendenhall, but um, given you know Bronco's success at BYU, I would not be surprised to see Virginia um, give Boston College a, a competitive game, especially down in Charlottesville. Yeah, I think that a lot of this season is going to hinge upon, as we kind of saw it did this year, about how they can come out and, and play in the opening first few games. I mean, this past year, obviously, they had a chance to kind of get out ahead of it. Um, and you know, rack up a few wins so that once you got into the thick of things, you didn't have to um, you didn't have to win as many games down the stretch as as you have in years past. But this this coming year, 
the big ACC opponents being Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State, they're kind of spread out more. So it's a great schedule, but the thing for the Eagles is going to be that you kind of have to feel like it's going to play on a more of a week-to-week kind of thing where, okay, you know, we're not going to have three games kind of in the bank that are put towards getting to a bowl game. You're going to have to lose one week, win the next week, lose one week, win the next week, and, and kind of battle to get to that bowl game. So it, it's definitely going to be a tough road for them. Um, but, you know, things aren't, aren't lined up in the worst possible way to make it happen. I agree, Quinn, and TJ, you as well. I mean, the thing that pops up to me when you look at this schedule is that despite it being um, – there, there's some challenging games in there for the Eagles. You know, for the home slate, it's a pretty impressive list for BC fans to come and see. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, home openers Wake September 9th, Notre Dame the next weekend, uh, two weeks later Central Michigan followed up by Virginia Tech. Uh, who had a great season uh, under first-year coach Justin Fuente, and they're only going up. And then we have Florida State on a Friday night, October 27th, and the uh, you know home closing game is NC State, November 11th. And then we have that next game against UConn um, at Fenway. Uh, but it's certainly, I mean, there are certainly a lot of good games to come see. And I think kind of after last year seeing uh, an FCS opponent and Buffalo, who was really down in the FBS, uh, it, it should kind of liven up alumni and almost the whole team is returning so the schedule from that end looks like it's going to be a lot of fun as a fan yeah I couldn't agree more Steve and I I think you know you look at Clemson defending national champion going to come into the season in the top five um at the top in the top 10 at the very least um you got Florida State team that's coming back with DeAndre Francois um you, you know kid's incredible he's on the rise beat Michigan um, down in, in Orlando during the bowl game. They're probably going to open up as, if not number one, you know, a, a top five team um, that Boston College will have to face, and who knows where they are in that schedule. I think something that really pops up, and this isn't about, you know, marquee games or anything, Boston College doesn't get that bye week till after week nine, which is, which is tough. Um, they've got a really long stretch with a lot of good teams. Who knows how Notre Dame comes out. Clemson's going to be top. Virginia Tech's going to be top 25. You've got Louisville, Lamar Jackson, Virginia, and back-to-back weeks on the road. And then who knows how Florida State responds uh, being a top-tier team. Then you finally get that break. So the coaching staff's going to need to do a lot of preparation over the offseason. They've got to mentally prepare this team for this long stretch, especially if you get down one or two games early. Um, in the first four games, I think that's something you're going to rally your troops around. Um, it'd be good to get out there every single week, obviously, and, and bounce back if it's necessary or carry some momentum. But, you know, that, that bye week being very late, I, I think, is, uh, is a very tough thing for this program. I agree. I mean, that bye week was uh, right around – it was late in the season two years ago when they, when they took on Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series. So, you know, hopefully – and that was that was obviously not the you know the season we hoped for. So hopefully that that bye week does not end up hurting them too much as the season goes on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that it's not the worst thing. I mean, obviously you end up getting tired, like you said, TJ. If you lose a couple games early, then it's hard to kind of get yourself out of that funk, and and you kind of have a, have to have a really short memory. But at least in terms of looking at those first few weeks, I mean. If you really want success in the season, you have to feel like you're going to come out and beat Northern Illinois and beat Wake Forest. You have to go into that Notre game, game 2-0. and and, and like you said, uh, Steve, you never really can't tell with Notre Dame. We don't know how they're going to be. They're a, a big wild card um, next year for how well they're going to play. But the thing I like is that you're playing other teams before they're getting their break as well. And 
you look at the Notre Dame-Clemson back-to-back, which has the potential to be really, really difficult. But for Notre Dame, they'll be coming off a game at home against Georgia in which, in all likelihood, that's probably going to be a loss for them just given how these two teams project to be next next year. And then they're going to have to go on the road. So they're going to be licking their wounds a little bit. And maybe if they're the team that they were this year, BC walks in and gets a win at home in what's probably going to be their biggest game of the year, at least fan-wise and, 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 and attitude-wise. And then you have Clemson, who's we're going down to Clemson. That's obviously always tough. But if the silver lining there is that they're going to be coming off a visit to Louisville the week prior to that. So we hit a couple of those tough teams early off of a couple of tougher games for them. So, you know, hopefully you can pick the scraps a little bit uh, there and, and get out in front of the schedule. Yeah, and Clemson in the, in the post-Deshaun Watson era. Certainly a question mark. They will be very good again. Uh, what Dabo Sweeney has going on down there is really special. But, uh, you know, there, there's it's a tough schedule, but there, there are openings in it that can favor uh, BC. So, you know, hopefully they can take advantage of some of those opportunities. Guys, if we turn to maybe an X-Factor game or, or kind of a, a must-win game or even a really important game in your mind, if you were to pick out one game on this schedule that really stands out to you as one that's – make or break the season you know the season has this kind of written all over I think this past year it was Georgia Tech and at least BC played well in that game despite losing 17-14 but that was a huge game for momentum for us the year if you saw a game on this schedule similar to that one what would it be and uh you know kind of what do you think about that game as we stand right now sure the first two that come to mind are at the end of the season uh NC State at home senior day uh you went down grabbed a win in Raleigh this year um they're they're a team that you know Historically, over the past couple of seasons, have had tr- have had trouble with you. Um, it's it's going to be that that final home game. Um, if it's something where Boston College is is fighting for their bowl lives, that's probably going to be the make or break game. The other one you look at is Syracuse. Immediately off the bat, you know, going on the road to the Carrier Dome Thanksgiving weekend. It's it's a tough one to get up for. And uh, if they're playing for something, and who knows if Syracuse is playing for something, that could be um, something that we look for. And and just one more right off the bat, we were talking about it earlier. Don't overlook Northern Illinois as that first one. At Northern Illinois, Friday night, um, sure, they're a MAC team. Sure, they're coming off a 5-7 and seven record last year. Um, but, you know, <laughs> who, who's to say you can overlook that game to start the season? If you're going 0-1 into home against Wake Forest and then you're staring down Notre Dame and Clemson, you're thinking, you know, oof, if we fall down this time, this is going to be a rough start. That game cannot be overlooked. I, I think it's a key one, but if I had to say X-Factor games, it's definitely those two in the uh, mid to late November stages. You know, when I looked at the schedule prior to this past season, I, I, as you talked about, Steve, said that Georgia Tech was that kind of game for us, that you needed to get out on a good foot. Um, and this year it's a little bit different, obviously, with a non-conference game, but it, it does feel that same way And that I think Northern Illinois is a huge game. Um, I think TJ is absolutely right where you, you can kind of you have a better feel for a lot of these other games, but going on the road to a team you're, you know, for the most part unfamiliar with. And that's opening up at home for them. You got to wonder, you know, is there is is, you know, is it maybe a trap game? Is it a game that you could walk out losing even though you're going to be favored? And, and we're certainly not, you know, the Clemsons of the world taking on Auburn to open up the season with a non-conference. But it is that same kind of magnitude. Um, but I still to try to venture away from that style of just saying that first game and getting off of the on the right foot. I think it's it's NC State. Um, I think you're absolutely right on that, too, TJ. I think that. When you look at the sec- the schedule, there's a real potential to be walking into that game against NC State with five losses, and then you have that stretch where 
you know, you can either end up going seven and five or you could lose that game and then you've got must wins against UConn and Syracuse. Well, UConn's not that daunting. Syracuse, obviously, you know, you had trouble with them this year when you really shouldn't have. So you don't want to leave it up to an away game at the Carrier Dome to see if you're going to make a bowl game. Yeah, I agree. Those two last ACC games are huge. For me, it'd probably be Syracuse. Uh, they lost, I think it was 20 to 17 two years ago. And that game didn't matter at the time, but it was a big game from around. They couldn't pull it out. So I think going into the Carrier Dome and pulling that one off uh, two years later would show the progression of the program and certainly would have most likely bowl implications. If, if they've already clinched by then, which would be great, then it's about what kind of bowl you're going to. And if they haven't, then obviously the game speaks for itself. And I also want to just kind of raise that game in Charlottesville. TJ, you brought this one up earlier. Virginia is a team that can only go up right now. They were 2-10 this past year, but – you know, you got to think that they're going to be going kind of in the right direction again. Them and Virginia Tech, both new coaches, and Funded just had more to work with at, at Virginia Tech than Mendenhall did at Virginia. But that could be a tough one mid-October, mid-season. Got to watch out for that one, too. But I, I have to say the Syracuse game, but all important games, especially in college football. Guys, if we look at kind of the big names on the schedule, and I'll group, them, I'll group five teams together, Notre Dame, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and Florida State. If we had to say BC could go in, into one of these games and win it, what one might it be? I mean, Notre Dame had, had a tough season this past year, but that was a really talented team. They, I mean, that was a really, really good mm-hmm. team. They just had a lot of bad breaks. They had a bunch of suspensions at the beginning of the year, and they're probably better than the 4-8 and record speaks to. So if we had to look at one of those five games, what do you make of such a group of five teams? Because it's really good five teams, and what one maybe shapes up best for the Eagles if we're looking to kind of snag a win? And, and, you know, add to that, you know, bowl progression. Sure. Uh, immediately right off the bat, you know, being on the road at Clemson um, is just yeah, – it's virtually impossible to go down there and win. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's never been done. Of course it has. But uh, with the way that they played this season, sure, they'll be losing guys. But just that entire atmosphere, um, everything surrounding that game, it'll be a tough one. Looking at Louisville, again, on the road, Lamar Jackson – you know, as comfortable as can be, middle of season, probably not one that you go down there and, and you're thinking, you know, this is one we can squeak by. I mean, these are all obviously um, relative to where we are in the season, you know, based on the win and loss record. Um, Virginia Tech, man, these these two past seasons, Virginia Tech's had our number at home two years ago. Uh, we beat them on the road our freshman year um, with Tyler Murphy. But, you know, the two years ago with Beamer coming up here and, and pretty much destroying us and then and then this past season, uh, just the 49 nothing debacle. I know you were there, Steve. Um, just just something where this team is, again, continuing to be on the rise. I, I don't see that one happening. So that leaves Florida State and Notre Dame. And again, I'm high on Florida State. I'd be, I'd be buying stock in Florida State right now. I think Francois is a fantastic quarterback, and I think they had their struggles in the beginning of the season, and that's why they weren't in any of the conversations. They bumped, um, they bumped high in the rankings as the season came to, a, to an end, and, and that's why they were playing Michigan, a team that just missed the Final Four, and they beat them. So heading into next season, I think Florida State's going to be one. That leaves Notre Dame. Again, Steve, you said it. Notre Dame's a very talented team. Um, 
they're not going out there and losing a ton of people this year other than their starting quarterback for the most part. So Brandon Wimbush will be their quarterback next year, a kid from Jersey. Um, and he's he's had his time in, in smaller tier games against lesser opponents. But um, it's, it's, it's one of those games where it's early in the season, depending on how we come out against Wake Forest and Northern Illinois and depending how Notre Dame does against Georgia, you could either catch them sleeping or catch them on a, you know, a complete revenge train up here in Boston with a lot of support uh, in the stands here. But in Grant, being that it's at home, um, being that we, for the most part, play Notre Dame pretty well um, at home or on the road, um, and I would probably circle that one as the most realistic. I think that you can get a lot of backing behind it. It should be a really fun atmosphere, and the other ones and the ACC opponents that we have to play is just it's, it's a tough schedule year after year when you have to play Louisville, Clemson and Florida State every single year you just cannot circle them as as ones where you can you know I think we can steal a win it's just it, it's really all relative the only one I see right now is Notre Dame I think that if you have to look at those five I think that Notre Dame is is definitely the most likely for the Eagles to to get a win in like you said just because it's at home it's going to be a good atmosphere and we do traditionally play them well but I'd if I'm going to go with, I, I guess so, I mean, my second most likely, just because I, you know, to bring to, to light something different perhaps to the conversation, I think Florida State's just no shot. I mean, I know they're coming here, and we've played them well here before, but I, I really do think they're going to be right in it to the end. Um, they're, you know, obviously the real popular pick right now to have in the playoffs. I think Louisville's going to be better than they were. Um, this past year, I think they were exposed this year just in terms of maybe having an attitude problem down there more than a skill problem. And they're returning so many people, and Lamar Jackson's going to be there again, and, and they're going to have a chip on their shoulder a little bit, and I think they'll figure it out, and I don't think we're going down there and getting a win. Virginia Tech's going to be tough as well. I mean, they're just always a good program, and they're always a tough team for us to win against. So if I had to go with kind of a surprise pick, I, I think that they will have a shot at least, going down to Clemson uh, in September to steal a win out there. And, and the reasoning for that for me is Clemson's going to have three games before then. Two of them are going to be very tough. I mean, they have a ridiculous start to the season with Auburn first and then two weeks later having Louisville. So they're going to be, um, they're going to be starting, I believe, a freshman quarterback. Um, he's going to be coming off. His name is Eric Cooper, and he is not going to be Deshaun Watson. And he's also not going to have Deshaun Watson's targets as they've lost a huge piece of their offense. They've lost Mike Williams, um, Wayne Gallman. They're just losing so many key pieces. And then the defense, the defense will be close to the form it was this year, but it's not going to be wholly there. And the thought for me is that, you know, if the freshman can find a way to get a win against Auburn, um, and then come out 2-0. and I just don't see Clemson going down to Louisville and winning that game on the road. And just the way they have played the last two seasons in terms of being in it till the end, I mean, that would be their first early regular season loss in, in quite a while. And maybe a young kid isn't, you know, feeling so hot coming back to Clemson, you know, feeling that disappointment for that whole week, and he's got to try to get up for a BC game. And so I just think that because they're of, I mean... If you compare them to Louisville and Florida State, they're the weakest of that three. If Virginia Tech plays a little bit above what they're expected and Clemson 
you know, maybe plays a little bit lower. They're right there with them. So I think that there is a legitimate shot that BC, if they're playing well, if they win that Notre Dame game the week prior, they could go down to Death Valley and steal one against the Tigers. I mean, if anything, Clemson Clemson's going to lose a game next year and more likely a couple. So BC can sweep, you know, swing in there and finally kind of things start to go right for this program. It's not out of the world to imagine something like that. Uh, I'll just say, just to be a little bit different, I'll say Virginia Tech, only because they're losing really their three superstars, and it is a home game. Isaiah Ford, Bucky Hodges, and Gerard Evans are all gone. Uh, Ford and Hodges definitely the NFL draft. And uh, Evans, you know, maybe he'll find his way into the NFL as well. So uh, at home, I think that's one that the Eagles could play well in. But I think Virginia Tech will be very good again. So, again, they're all going to be tough games when we look at it. We just have to see. It will be an exciting uh, slate to see those five teams, though. Okay, so if we kind of look at what the record might be, we've the theme of this podcast is that there's a lot of tough games. But if we had to, if we had to say right now, you know, January 24th, months away from the season, what this team will look like after that Syracuse game, what would we say? What what, what would the numbers that we would put on it be? Uh, it's not easy. It's, it's it is really not easy. Not easy. Um, you know, the optimist in me wants to say seven and five, um, but it, it's just so there's so many question marks you know surrounding this team. One of them that we don't have to worry about is Harold Landry, which is which is lucky. He's going to be the anchor of the defense next year. You're not losing that many people on defense that's going to crush you. You know, you lose Milano, someone that's a trusty linebacker, but you have someone like Strahan who needs to step up and take his place. You lose someone like Kavalik, but you still have people like Noah Merritt who really came on the scene in the bowl game. You have Absolutely. people, uh, and he'll fill Truman Goodapple's spot. You've got someone like, you know, Ray Smith, Wyatt Ray, uh, Zach Allen, all people that are still young, still learning their position, but still balling out and being absolute stars. So as long as they move into their positions well, um, I, you know, I, I don't see a huge drop-off on the defensive end. You're losing John Johnson and Anchor. You need a vocal leader um, in the secondary, which, you know, someone like Isaac Yidem or, or – Cam Moore really has to, to pick up on. I'm not sure who's going to take that role, but it would be interesting to see um, going forward. Offensive side, this is where the question marks lie. You're losing two vocal leaders at running back. You're gaining a great one in A.J. Dillon, hopefully, uh, someone that was, you know, flipped his, his Michigan commit um, most recently. And then you have John Hilleman, who's always been a vocal leader and supporter of this team. Devon Jones came on the scene this year as well. So you've got it's still a question mark, though. John Hillman played very well in the bowl game in the first half. Uh, second half, you know, more more of a down game for him and, and kind of similar to the season that he had, but that first half shows what type of running back he can be. Um, offensive line, still maturing, still um, on the younger side, but this is the year they have to step up. This is this is the no excuse year because everyone that's filling in there has had you know one one year pretty much on the line. You're not really losing anybody. You're having people step up, and you know Cashman uh, to to name one. Um, you've got Tommy Sweeney in a tight end. You know that's somebody that needs to step up and take a big role. There's big question marks to see if those guys can rise to the occasion now that they're upperclassmen. They're getting to that stage where they got one two years under their belt, and then finally the one we all have to talk about: quarterback. Um, it's a question mark right now. Is Darius Wade going to be that guy for a year, year and a half? I don't know. Is Anthony Brown going to get the reins? All signs point to it, but, you know, we haven't seen what he's able to do. You don't know how he's going to react on a Friday night onto the lights, uh, you know, on the road as his first game. Um, the spring game will hopefully answer a lot. This year's really didn't. Personally, I thought Darius Wade played better than Patrick Tolles in it, and Patrick Tolles beat him out in the summer. 
um, and became our starter, and you never really heard of Wade. So um, who really knows where that's going to lie? You've got quarterbacks coming in, E.J. Perry, a mid-year transfer, mid-year enrollee, and then C.J. Lewis, somebody that uh, switches commit from Tennessee to come and play here, and he's a quarterback, but that's someone that you could easily see moving to a, uh, you know, defensive back or wide receiver type position. So there are a lot of questions that Coach Dazio and the staff uh, have to figure out for themselves, and I think that is the real underlying of how this season is going to go. So I would say 7-5 and five off the top of my head, but that's guaranteeing victories against Wake Forest, Virginia, NC State, and Syracuse. That is, that is tough. Uh, being that we probably dropped one of them for some reason or another, 6-6, six and six, um, bull bound, pretty similar to this year. Um, I, I'd like to say 7-5, and five, naming those, those four ACC teams, but Man, it, it really it really is tough to predict. It absolutely is. Um, you know, I, I came out ahead of this season and said that I thought this team could go 8-4, and four, and it was obviously the optimist take, and I don't think after the first couple weeks of the season anybody would have thought that we would be close. But in the end of the day, we were a bowl-bound team, and that was more than people thought we were, and perhaps I was taking the hyperbolous argument on the other side. But that was a team that I I really thought people wrote off too soon for a bowl game, and they ended up making it to a bowl game. Um, I, I think what I overlooked, though, and what I knew when I was writing I was intentionally overlooking was the fact that year in and year out, BC has one game that they're going to lose, that they're not supposed to lose. This year it was Clemson. That, I mean, I'm sorry, not Clemson, excuse me. It was Syracuse. It was a game they should have win, uh, won against a lesser opponent, but they didn't get it, and it obviously you know, made it so that the end of the season was real crunch time for them. I think, unfortunately, this, game, this season is set up to be if you won the games that you were supposed to win and you lost the games you're supposed to lose, it's going to be a 7-5 and five season. So that means that you have room for one error, and you know there, there you are at 6-6, six and six, which is fine. You're in a bowl game again. You're, you're giving yourself another chance, but ultimately you'd like to progress season to season. The reason I think it's going to be different, and I would lock it in at 7-5, and five, obviously very early here, but is because I think this is going to be a better team than they were last year. Cube, it all it's it begins and ends with the quarterback, and that's obviously still a question mark. But you gotta hope with a year more under their belt for Wade and Brown, somebody's gonna step up, somebody's gonna play well, and it, at least be a serviceable replacement for Patrick Tolles, um, who was you know no superstar, but did the job and was obviously a leader. So the reason I would say seven and five is because I look at that Notre Dame game and I think they have a real shot in that game. I look at this team and I look at the way they lost to Virginia Tech and to Clemson and to Louisville this year, and I don't think that's going to be the same way. This was a team this past year that had very clear lines in the sand in terms of we are exactly this good, we're going to beat these teams, but we're not even going to compete with the upper-level teams. I think this this coming year there'll be a team that can compete a little bit more with the tougher teams, and it's more likely to me that this team would be able to pull off an upset that would kind of counteract um, them being upset. Yeah, my thoughts are similar. Uh, I just think when you look at the amount of returning starters, that's a lot of room for optimism, especially because some of the guys really aren't even yet seniors. We still have a lot of sophomores who will turn into juniors for next season. 
you know, a lot of the offense is back, and the offense, again, can really only go up. They, they, their numbers were down. They were low this past year, but you think with a quarterback that they can finally grow around, uh, you know, now, at least as now we're looking like we will not have a grad transfer come in. Um, and a lot of people think, although we don't haven't seen much of him, we haven't seen any of him, um, Anthony Brown could be a really solid player. So if he gets a start, you got to say that 7-5 and five would be the optimistic, but also in some ways realistic route. You think this is probably a better team than it was last year, and they won 6-6, six and six, and it was a 6-6 six and six that, you know, was at times – you're like just a little bit more in, the, in this area, that area, and, and you could look like a, a much better team, or just you know a, a more competitive game against Clemson or, or Louisville, and you, you, people might not give them as much flack as they did. But things happened as they did, and, and they won um, seven games with the, with the bowl win. So I agree with you guys: six and six, seven and five, no, no less, no more, probably kind of thing, and, and we'll have to see um, from there. Final question for you guys, as we stand here right now, if you had to pick one maybe breakout player or X-Factor player for this season, who might it be? And, I, you know, I, I'd have to say we'll probably avoid Howard Landry. I think we are going <laughs> to know that he he will probably be, you know, an All-American nominee kind of guy. Um, but, you know, if, if you're going to ask me, I really think that – I'm not going to point to a specific player, but I'm, I'm really excited about the secondary. And, and, Quinn, I know you brought up Lucas Dennis this – Early this past year, no one heard of him. And he comes up with that, that huge pick in the Wake Forest game to seal that game and get us to a bowl game. So I'm looking at Yidem or, or Moore and those guys to really take out a step up and become maybe a leader in the role that John Johnson was this past year and Justin Simmons was two years ago. Uh, so I'm going to say the secondary are my kind of breakout players. And uh, hopefully we can kind of watch the development over the summer through the spring game and hopefully that they have a, a, a good year and can really kind of solidify that front seven, which should be pretty good again. So if I'd ask you, you know, give me a, a player group of players that you, that you think we should keep our eye on, you know, months ahead of the season. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's really tough to pinpoint one. Um, I, I really want to hit home on the O-line. Uh, I think that the offensive line over the past three seasons specifically has gotten, you know, destroyed constantly about how they've played, um, how you know criticizing over how how young they've been or defending them because of how young they've been um and this year you know you'll lose jimmy lowry on the line who a lot of people said wasn't a big help and kind of stunted the growth of people that could have gone in there but i you know granted he was a graduate who who stepped in and then played serviceably at times um you lose jim cashman another vocal leader so if if there's ever a time to have a breakout season now is for chris lindstrom i think he's someone who has now had two years under his belt um he's now a sophomore he was a mid-year enrollee for a freshman put on a ton of weight he's got his brother now um who's a mid-year enrollee who's going to be looking up to him he's a local kid I think this is the time that that he starts making a name for, you know, being that O-line U type um, position player again. I think skill-wise and for raw talent-wise, he's the best on the offensive line. Elijah Johnson's another name that was a true freshman this year, stepped in and played serviceably at his position. But um, the offensive line's going to play a huge role. If the offensive line can't block, there is no way, you know, a a fifth-year quarterback or, if, if we do get one, or a 
young quarterback in, in Anthony Brown or even, you know, a young experienced wide quarterback in Darius Wade are going to bring this team anywhere. There's no way John Hillman's breaking through any holes. There's no way, you know, Devon Jones are going to break any holes. There's no way that no one, the, the wide receivers are going to get the ball because there's no protection. And when you're playing the best of the best defensive lines in the ACC and the best defense in the ACC, defenses in the ACC and beyond, it's tough. It all starts with the foundation. That's your offensive line. I think Chris Lindstrom needs to step up and be a, a vocal leader. I guess if I have to go uh, one player, I would look at somebody on the offense who I'll name. If I'm going for a grouping, I think it's going to be the D-line. I think, like you said, you lose Kavalik and Goodapple, but the way Noah Merritt stepped up, the way Ray Smith stepped up, um, the upside on Zach Allen, they, they could be a, an absolute monstrous group, and, and it really wouldn't take too much developing above you know what they should be developing for them to really get to be one of the one of the more feared groups in the ACC but if I look to a specific player I guess it wouldn't necessarily qualify as a breakout but I think that you know for as much as he's become uh, you know kind of household name over here he hasn't quite done so much that that's necessarily warranted he's obviously a fantastic player but I really think this season could be absolutely huge for Jeff Smith. And the reason I think that is that, uh, barring you know, a surprise of a, of a grad transfer quarterback, we're pretty much guaranteed right now to have somebody in there who's going to be a dual-threat guy. You know, you're looking at either Darius Wade or Anthony Brown, and on the off chance that they have C.J. Lewis come in and, and be something really spectacular and come in and play quarterback for us, he's a dual-threat guy too. With Jeff Smith... Just the way that this, this season, they really started as the season went on. We saw down at NC State, Steve Adazio talked about it when Jeff Smith had a fantastic game down there. You know, just they, didn't, they had a kind of short summer to work with to get his kind of his play tree into the playbook in terms of what they were trying to do with him as, a, you know, as working him out of the backfield, working him as a wide receiver, a specialist, a guy who can throw whatever, they're going to have another full offseason being able to work and find specific plays for him. And I just think when you give me a solid running back um, in either A.J. Dillon or John Hilleman and you have a quarterback who can move, the option possibilities are there with Jeff Smith, and I think he could really break out. And I would like to say just I, I think this could be a very big redemption season. Again, it wouldn't be a breakout season as freshman season was, but John Hilleman has a real chance to redeem himself. Um, next year after what was, you know, I, I, what I pray to God was a season that was kind of hampered by some injury that we didn't know about because he had a real tough season this year, and I think that he could come back out next year. And if he's 100% healthy um, and playing behind an improved O-line, maybe he could be something special again. Yeah, no doubt that Lindstrom, uh, Jeff Smith, and Hillman will prove to be big factors in this team's success uh, next season. So uh, a lot to be excited about, uh, you know, kind of good to get the AC schedule out there. Gives us something to talk about, but it also gives us, you know, kind of that, that forward look to next season. And I think it will be an exciting season. A season with, again, a lot of question marks, but with a high ceiling and a lot of room for a lot of fun. 
as fans and you know and for us at WZBC Sports we'll get to kind of view it firsthand that'll be a lot, that'll be really exciting so uh, this has been the WZBC Sports Podcast episode 10 previewing 2017 football schedule for the BC Eagles check out Anthony Iotti's write-up and analysis on the schedule at WZBCSports.com you can check out all of our podcasts at WZBCSports.com and on iTunes under WZBC Sports Radio thank you for listening we will see you next time on the WZBC Sports Podcast. Santini, make a nice little pass over to Stanford. Stanford gives it to Tuck. Tuck with a shot. Tuck scores. Eagles win. The Eagles have won the 2016 Seacon Championship. Catch all the excitement of Boston College Athletics right here on WZBC Newton 90.3 FM. As BC's only student radio broadcasting organization, WZBC Sports brings a different viewpoint of college athletics to the table. Our student commentators know the campus, student-athlete culture, and latest beat on the teams like no other media outlet, thanks to our dedicated coverage of Boston College Sports. Check out our broadcast or weekly talk show schedules at www.wzbcsports.com and get a refreshing take on sporting events at the heights and beyond.